Mark chapter 1. And so John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. The whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to him. Confessing their sins, they were baptized by him in the Jordan River. John wore clothing made of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. And this was his message. After me comes the one more powerful than I, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. At that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. Just as Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and this spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my son, whom I love. With you, I am well pleased. The German theologian Karl Barth once remarked that it is imperative that you preach with the Bible in one hand and the newspaper in the other that we must somehow be able to show how the story of Scripture interprets the events of today, how the, how the story of Jesus matters in light of what is happening around us. Throughout my over 20 years of preaching, I have endeavored to do this, sometimes well, sometimes not so well, and sometimes in abject failure. But if Scripture is living and active, as the writer of Hebrews tells us, then it's imperative that we do this. It's why for the past two and a half years as a church, we have never shied away from the issues of the day, always working to faithfully interpret them in the light of Jesus, to, to illuminate our current reality and our path forward as a people. And this week is no different. Last year, as I began working on where we would be heading as a community, I felt a stirring within me that, that we needed to do a better job of centering ourselves around Jesus. That we needed to immerse ourselves in the story of the gospel, a re-Jesusing of sorts. And together, Trevor and I decided that in 2021, we would follow along the gospel texts of the lectionary. Preaching through the lectionary is nothing new. It's actually an old practice in the church, but, but we thought this would be a good way to continually center ourselves around the story of Jesus, come what may. And so this week, with a Bible in one hand and a newspaper in the other, I wrestled and struggled. I, I fought and prayed and cried as the stories and experiences of staffers and our elected representatives made their way into the light of day as the terror and horror they experienced as guillotines and nooses were erected in front of the Capitol with Kevlar-clad insurrectionists holding pipe bombs, Molotov cocktails, and zip-tie handcuffs as shouts of execute them rang through the halls of Congress. What on earth does the baptism of Jesus have to do with an insurrection at the capital of the United States. Maybe we should just toss the idea of following the, ele the lectionary, at least for one week, and just go off script. I mean, we haven't really started. No one would notice, and we haven't announced it our intention or anything. But no, this is where we are. This is what I believe God has led us to. You see, growing up, the baptism of Jesus was always a nice story. 
It was always a story of obedience. It was a story where we reveled in the notion that God spoke a blessing to Jesus. You are my son whom I love. With you I am well pleased. It's a kind story of a father to the son. Or we've used it as reason to talk about and encourage people to get baptized. And we've always just kind of left it at that. But what if there's more to the story than that? What if we've missed something that's that's actually quite remarkable? You see, at the, at the core of the Christian story is the battle between good and evil, between light and dark, between life and death, and all of these images flood the pages of Scripture. They, they overwhelm us with the reality that we are caught in an inescapable reality that fights to possess our heart and soul. Good versus evil. Light versus dark. Life versus death. And we, you and I, humanity, we're incapable of escaping the clutches of, our, of, of evil. On our own. No matter how hard we try, no matter the work we engage in, no matter what we put our hands to, of our own accord and of our own volition, we are incapable of defeating evil on our own. In fact, together, as a human collective, we also are incapable of defeating evil. For millennia, we have tried. For centuries, we have engaged in attempting to quell and put evil at bay. We have taken up arms and dropped bombs, we have come together to squelch evil only to see it rise up again and again and again in ways both big and small. We failed, for we are incapable of rescuing ourselves from evil, for evil resides in the hearts of man and evil will always find a way. We need a savior. And here in Mark, in this story of Jesus' baptism, comes a savior someone to rescue us. But, but we haven't really listened to this story, let alone listened to this Jesus. You see, it's a beautiful story. One of the only times in all of Scripture that the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, the, the Trinity, appear at the same time in the same story of Scripture. But there's a moment in this story that speaks to us in this moment, in, in this moment of dire straits, when evil seeks to overwhelm us, that gives us a profound sense of hope. It's a small line, a, a short phrase, but, but one of reckless love. It happens in Mark. As soon as he came up out of the water, he saw the heavens being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven. You are my beloved son. With you I am well pleased. Did you catch that phrase? Jesus saw the heavens being torn open. The God of the universe tore open heaven to get to us. In the midst of our greatest need, God did everything he could to let us know that we'll never walk alone. That Jesus has come. That salvation is here, that hope is possible, and that through him all things are being made new. That, that in this moment the light is winning, the darkness is fleeing, that death is on the verge of defeat, that love, reckless, unending love is here. 
I watched the events of the Capitol insurrection unfold, rising up in me was an unbelievable anger as the nooses and gallows erected at the calls for violence and intentional harm at the ransacking of the people's house, at the evil that was being unleashed on our system of government. It's okay to be angry, by the way. It's okay to call evil evil. In fact, I believe that we must. I've already paid a steep price for doing just that. And it may not be popular these days to call evil evil. It's seen as too divisive or controversial, especially in the church. We'd rather preach the Bible and keep the newspaper at bay. It's too hard to take a stand, to call for accountability for our elected leaders. But we must. Because if not the church, then who? If not you, then who? As I sat and reflected upon Jesus' baptism in this moment, I, I thought of the traditional baptism vows that are said at the moment of baptism and, and are reaffirmed every year in many churches. They begin with three simple questions. Do you reject Satan? And the people respond, I do. And all his works, I do. And all his empty promises, I do. The first moment of baptism is the rejection of evil. And for us, this is part of what it means to be followers of Jesus, to reject evil in all its forms. What's fascinating to me is that this is not something I've ever experienced. When I was baptized, and even with every baptism that I've ever performed, we simply take a confession of faith. We've never really asked people to renounce evil publicly. And I wonder if we have somehow begun to reap the consequences of that inaction. I simply affirmed Peter's confession in Scripture. In the past, that's all I've ever asked of anyone. To repeat that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. But baptism as a step of faith is not only about believing that Jesus is the Christ. It's about the actions that we take as well. It is about faith. And it is about works. It's about a life transformed that that lives out the faith that we profess. For faith without works, the writer James says, is dead. And so for us as a church, I want baptism to be more robust. I, I want us to begin participating in the ancient baptismal vow, not, not only during each baptism we perform, but, but every year a recommitment, a renewal of those vows starting today. And while we cannot be all together to affirm these things, we can affirm them where we are, verbally. And if you've never been baptized before and you're interested in that process with what it means and what it's all about, send me a note at the email on the screen and let's talk. But if you've been baptized in the past, Today, I want to call you to renew your baptism, to, re to reaffirm your pledge to what it means through these vows. So I'll ask a series of questions, and you simply respond verbally, like out loud, <laughs> with, I do. This is a marker moment for us as a community, a place where we're planting our flag and moving forward together. So today, to reaffirm your baptismal vow, respond with, I do. And I'll join you in that as well. Do you reject Satan? I do. And all his works? I do. And all his empty promises? I do. Do you believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth? I do. 
Do you believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was born of the Virgin Mary, was crucified, died, and was buried, rose from the dead, and is now seated at the right hand of the Father? I do. Do you believe in the Holy Spirit, the body of believers, the church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and life everlasting? I do. God the all-powerful Father of our Lord Jesus Christ has given us a new birth by water and the Holy Spirit and forgiven all our sins. May he also keep us faithful to the Lord Jesus Christ forever and ever. Amen. These are difficult times we are living in, my friends. Times of distress and confusion. Let us together as a people unequivocally stand for truth, for goodness, for love, May the fruits of the Spirit be evident in our lives, and may the hope of restoration be in our hearts and upon our lips. In the name of Jesus, empowered by the Spirit and protected by the Father, our Lord and our God.